Hi again, everyone. This is Tim and Anthony bringing you episode number 23 of the Radio MVP Sports Podcast. And a lot to get to today. And we're going to get started with the high school football. As a lot going on there. Obviously, week one of the high school football. And it should be a, a great time here locally because uh, Z104 has the Cardinal Mooney Cardinals at the Poland Bulldogs this Friday night. And it's going to be uh, heard live on Z104. Our pregame begins at 7 p.m. Our kickoff is at 7.30. Matt Emps and I will bring in a call, and Anthony will be in the booth with us uh, supplying stats and information as we get through the day uh, as the game and give you all the great uh, this coming game. So it should be a lot of fun. As uh, Great to announce that Z104 has high school football playoffs this year, Anthony. And... And we at Poland for Mooney in Poland. Yeah, if you could uh, sit back and choose, if we had our choice, um, you know, we're not the decision makers, uh, but if they gave us a choice of which game do you want to do, I think we all would have picked Mooney in Poland. Just a really good matchup. I think it's really even. I know the whole cliche is the 4-5 matchup is pretty even. But if you look at these two teams, um, Take out Poland's Week 10 loss to Canfield. I think they match up really well against each other. A Poland team that likes to throw the ball more under Ryan Williams. Um, and a Mooney team who you know is going to run the Maryland eye. They're going to run it down your throat for four quarters, and, and they're going to play a really good defense. And I know we were yeah. talking earlier in the week that Mooney's defense might be the most underrated unit in the area. How well they played all season long. But really, the past couple of weeks, uh, shutting down a Boardman team who's been high, high scoring, uh, holding Fitch to seven points. Harding, I think they held uh, 13 or 14. Um, they ran rough shot over Ursuline. So this Mooney team is clicking right now. Uh, but Poland's a good football team too. You know, they started out seven and zero for a reason. Um, it's going to come down to, I think, how well Poland can throw it. And if Poland can control uh, Antonio Page, if they can control Antonio Page, um, they have a really good shot to beat Mooney. They didn't do a good job of defending Canfield's offense. Now, I will say this. um, I haven't watched a lot of Mooney this year, but I think Poland matches up better with Mooney than they do with Canfield. Uh, Canfield, to me, seems to be a more of a spread team. Uh, that can get their athletes in space. Mooney wants to beat you more in in a phone booth like Trestle wants to, and the Woody Hayes uh, three yards on a cloud of dust. Um, so it's going to be a really fun matchup. Uh, we're obviously looking forward to it. Our first time this year seeing East team. Um, and just, all right, we, we got the best game in the area. Of all the 18 teams who made the playoffs in the area, we got the best one, I think. I, just, I agree totally there. And, you know, uh, this is going to be a great tournament uh, mm-hmm. going on in all seven divisions. And uh, we have six six divisions locally involved. The only one didn't was uh, in Division One, where Austin Fitch finished ninth in their region, uh, just outside the playoffs of the top eight. So uh, they had a great season, just came up a little short. Uh, Borman is in Division Two, in Division Three. Division Four is loaded with all our teams. And including Mooney and Poland and Struthers. Uh, Salem made the uh, the playoffs. They get the go to Steubenville to take on the Big Red. And uh, Struthers is, uh, I believe, taking on Perry, if, I'm, if I remember correctly. Struthers and plays, uh, yes, Maslin, Perry. Perry, yes. Yeah, you get uh, Boardman at Maslin. Aurora plays Canfield, Salem and Big Red. Struthers and Maslin, Perry. Uh, Gerard Lakeview. Our game, Mooney Pullen. Crestview and South Range, a rematch uh, from earlier in the year. The South Range won big. Uh, Columbiana travels to Roochtown. East Palestine plays at Mogador. Uh, Dre Rushton takes his talents and plays Kirtland. And I think that's a, as a Lee Corso game, closer than the experts think. That's going to be a really good one. Um, I agree. I agree. That's- Western Reserve and Creston Norway. Matthews and Dalton. Uh, JFK and Cuyahoga Heights. Valley Christian East Canton and Lisbon and Wyndham are the matchups from the area. Um, 
there are so many good matchups. I mean, we could sit here for two hours and dissect every matchup. Um, it, it's just going to be – I think we got a really good shot to have four or five teams make a deep run in the playoffs. Um, you know, I know we really can't pick the Mooney Pullen game since we're broadcasting it. I will say this. If I'm Renos Garnacchia, I don't like my draw at all. Well, you know, because, I – yeah, yeah I was I mean, look, no, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. But I, look, you can't look. Any coach will tell you this, and it's cliche, but it's yeah. true. Is you can't look ahead. Yes, should the Big Red take care of today? And the answer is yes. You know, the Poland game may be a toss-up and should be a toss-up. I think these yep. are two really quality uh, schools taking on each other who had a, a really successful season. You know, anytime you're at home, you got to love your scenario versus being on the road. On the road, they've done it all season long, and this is a great opportunity for them too. So, I, on the matchup level, I love what we have. I think I uh, we have one of the best games in the valley and one of the best games in the state. I agree with that in Northeast Ohio in the valley. There's no question about that. Uh, for the first round matchups, I think we got one of the best. Usually, the four or five matchups are. I mean, obviously, that's what they are in most uh, tournament-type scenarios. The 4-5 is going to be the most competitive. The 1-8, probably the biggest blowout scenarios. And then you go from there. Uh, we'll wait and see how it all all winds down and how these uh, teams uh, shake out on Friday night. But it should be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. I know Matt's excited yes. about it. And it's going to be a, a great opportunity uh, to be part of it again. You know, for myself, I have not done a Ohio High School Athletic Association playoff game, and I'm trying to remember. Salem? I may – no, I didn't do the Salem. Salem. The one year they made it, I was in Western Pennsylvania. Uh, I'm going to say for my, myself – 90s? About 2001, 2002. It's been that long since I've uh, broadcast one. I've had games that I've broadcast, but we didn't do playoff games. And then uh, I've been in Western Pennsylvania a lot of those years too. Yeah. And uh, so it, we, we can see. Speaking of Western Pennsylvania, I can I can announce this. Come December, I will be uh, moving my talents to Western Pennsylvania for high school basketball, and uh, I will be uh, broadcasting games on uh, Forever Broadcasting again. Uh, as everybody knows, uh, they have listened to me, and we did a little tribute earlier this year to. Uh, I, uh, my friend who I was so fortunate to meet and to fill in for the football season a few years ago when he had a stroke, unfortunately had the, uh, the accident this summer and, uh, lost his life and they, uh, went on and did football with someone else. But, uh, I obviously was, I had my commitments here, but, uh, I'm going to be going to Western Pennsylvania this year to do, uh, uh, Newcastle basketball. So it should be. I mean, to get back into doing basketball once the uh, football season ends, but uh, I will be continue on and we're going to, uh, I'll be back in the WPIL uh, action this, uh, this, this winter. Yeah. It's, you know, switching uh, regions and divisions real quick uh, from the Mooney Pullen game. Uh, congratulations to you, by the way, on getting the uh, Western Pennsylvania gig. Uh, if there's anybody in the state of Ohio that knows the most about Western PA sports, it's you. Uh, so congratulations <laughs> to you, and we're looking I've forward to hearing the, your uh, your uh, yeah. your sweet pipes on the radio there for uh, Newcastle. I uh, just want to give a quick shout out and congratulations to my cousin Jack. Uh, he's the uh, assistant offensive line coach at Canfield, and the uh, ten and zero uh, Canfield Cardinals seated number one in the region. Uh, so a big uh, congratulations to him. Um, my heart will be. I'll be at Mooney Pullen Friday night, but I'll be checking my phone throughout tonight. We'll be giving updates yeah. on all the Valley Yeah, scores. I'll be pulling hard for him. Uh, yeah, really happy for him and uh, Coach Pav. Uh, he does a really good job okay. there. And I think we have some again. great, talented teams. Yes. And I look forward to uh, covering all these teams as they make mm -hmm. their move uh, yeah, up each division. This is what I was talking about earlier uh, in the last podcast, uh, Friday night this year. In the past, they, they've split the schedule between Friday and Saturday. And as a broadcaster, it gave us the opportunity to broadcast more mm -hmm. games. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, bring uh, more action to the sports fans who can't make it to the games. Unfortunately, uh, that's what happens uh, when you put them all in one day. You only have four, you know, three or four radio stations in the uh, market's going to be covering these games. Those, those are three games. And while potentially you had six games covered, now you have three games covered. And that's what happens. You know, I mean, that's one of the decisions they made. And, you know, you get someone like a Borman who's not going to be covered this year or Canfield or, or you know, uh, some of these other schools, Struthers, and uh, very good quality programs who uh, deserve mm-hmm. the opportunity to uh, radio this season and then maybe on television on a delay basis. But, you know, that's just unfortunately how it works out this year with the decisions that were made at the Iowa High School Athletic Association to – I don't know if it's an experiment or if it's an official change for good, but I think it's a two-year, two-year experiment here as the games return to uh, Stark County uh, this year. They're going to see these Friday uh, playoff games, unless it's really uh, turns out uh, worse than expected this year for them. I imagine this is going to be a two-year yep. experiment. They're not just a one-year experiment. No, I think um, if I listen to Dana Balish correctly, who's on the committee. Um, it is a two-year thing uh, the OHSA wants to do. Uh, they're going to try the uh, – I know for sure this, it's going to be in Stark County for two years. Um, as far as the, all the games being on Fridays, I'm not sure if that's a one-year or two-year deal. Um, I know some coaches have raised concerns about all the games being on Friday because they, too, would like to go and scout or go and watch other games. Um, so we'll see. Uh, I think it's like you said, it's a wait and see approach. Uh, we're going to have to see the first week of December how it all pans out, what the feedback is. I think you're going to have with anything of this magnitude, you're going to have a lot of positives, a lot of negatives. Um, so you just got to trust that the committee and the OHSA put down their scarlet and gray glasses for a couple weeks and make the best decision for the student athletes in the media. But when Michigan State and Michigan are, and Michigan and Penn State are coming to town, I mean, I wouldn't want to give up my tickets either. So, anyway, no, I, I mean, well, the most the most important thing is Friday night we have the uh, Mooney polling game yeah. on Z one hundred four, and you can hear that uh, across the world on the internet at oldiesz104.com. Airtime's at seven p.m. Kickoff is at seven thirty. Matt Emch and yours truly, Tim, will bring you that game along with Anthony Kepley helping us out with stats and information throughout the ball game. So the three of us will have our hands full, and it'll be a great game. Looking forward to it. Bringing it to the Valley. I'm excited about the game. Mm-hmm. I think we have a great matchup, as you mentioned earlier, between these two schools and what they have achieved this season. And, you know, that's what playoffs is all about. And, you know, speaking of playoffs, here uh, it is game seven of the World's. Yes. Any prediction? Um, I said Dodgers in six before the series started. Obviously, it's not going to be Dodgers in six, uh, but I got to stick with the Dodgers. I just, I think they have the best bullpen of the two teams. Now, it hasn't shown in a couple games this year, uh, but if you look at the Astros splits, home and road, uh, they're not. It's very. Uh, there's a big uh, difference. They're a lot better at home, which you'd expect. Uh, than on the road. Now, I don't know the score right now, so I could be way off base by saying that, but I think the Dodgers are going to uh, win game seven, and uh, it's already 2 nothing Astros. So, um, yeah, I think uh, – hey, here's the good news. For all the Indians fans that are not over last year's World Series, this year's World Series might be even better. So the national pundits – We'll finally stop talking about the 2016 World Series being the greatest ever, even though it was the Cubs. So hopefully we can all finally get away from Michael Martinez being our last hope. And maybe Yasiel Puig will be up in the 10th inning and a rain delay will magically appear. And uh, it'll – I don't know. But uh, know, it's been a really fun World Series, though. I, I mean, it has been a good team series. in the fight, it's been a really good World Series. I don't think it is, is quite honestly as good as some of the opponents have been saying. I think it's a quality World Series. I don't think a 13-12 game is an exciting game. I don't either. 
as a baseball goes. I think the comebacks were amazing. Yes. Uh, the home run total, I, th- I heard today, there's been 22 home runs hit in this series. Did the you most hear? ever in a World Series. I was watching the Rich Eisen show, and he was at game two of the World Series. And he got a foul ball from one of the Dodgers ball boys. And he brought it in studio. And Sean Casey, Harold Reynolds, and someone else compared a regular season baseball and a postseason baseball. And the postseason baseball feels a lot heavier, they said. Now, if that's true or not, I I don't know. I don't know. I think that's just in their head with all the home runs going out of the ballpark. You you got to think it's been 100 degrees in uh, Chavez Ravine. So the ball is going to fly out there. It's probably warm in Houston. I don't know the temperature in Houston. Um, so the ball's probably going to fly. And, uh, I mean, the launch angle has definitely we had a- uh, played a part into this. Um, but it's been a fantastic series. Each side just playing for the last out. You know, I mean, every pitch is just so meaningful. Um, and it I don't want to say it makes me glad to not have a rooting interest, but my nerves and my heart rate thank me uh, that I don't have a rooting interest this year. Uh, uh, because last year was too much to handle. Now, obviously, I'd rather have a a rooting interest in the World Series. I'd rather be watching the World Series right now than recording a podcast about two teams we don't care about. But, no, it's been a really good World Series. Um, Probably not as great as the national media have said, like you said, Um, but it's been fun. It's been really fun. It has been fun. I think it has been entertaining. I don't want to Mm -hmm. take away what I – you know, just to – clarify what i was saying earlier i think they've been exciting close games but not great baseball games no all right mm-hmm. now a combination of factors played involved in that and you hit on one games one and two were played in the high 90s when uh, first pitch was done and mm-hmm. it's just you know it was extremely warm and the ball did as the night went on sail more than normally and you know let Runs or routine fly balls that continue to move. Now, when the games three, games three, four, and five in Houston are, of course, played in the dome, and when you have forty-five thousand people in that dome, uh, that changes the condensity of the of the air in that dome, and the ball yep. flies. So it's a combination of a lot of scenarios that were perfect uh, for that home runs. I mean, I don't want to take away. Even the players will tell you, maybe the, you know scenarios gave them the opportunity. They still had to hit the ball. They still had to make contact. They still had to perform like they did. And and I don't want to take anything away from them. I will say this. I I do believe uh, Dave Roberts has kind of overmanaged his I agree with pen. that. I agree with that. Uh, I think he just – and I get it. I do. That's the way he's done today. Yeah, but he, he's really put his, his bullpen in a scenario where they may not – survived the entire seven games and game two he game one and two quite honestly game one he did not have to pull up Kershaw Kershaw when he did Mm -hmm. another inning if not another two innings and finish that ball game and his bullpen would have had another days of rest uh none of his their pitchers have had a complete game during this postseason uh matter of fact uh there's one pitch one relief pitcher has thrown a hundred over a hundred yep. pitches so far. This uh, and you just can't do that. I think uh, Morrow's pitched in every game. Yeah, so he has. It's just scenario is it's just that you can overmanage. I thought he pulled Hill too quick in both games that Hill started. I agree with that. Uh, and you know, look, did he win last night's game? Yes, he did. Yep. So in the end, you got to give him credit. I mean, his moves worked. Pro managing on his part was it will be will be looked back, win or lose, at what happened. Kind of the same way I thought last World Series, the Cubs manager, Joe Madden, did the same thing. I, yep. And when he brought in uh, the lefty, what's his name? Uh, changed the catchers and all that. Uh, I want to say lighter, but name lighter. What's that? Last year? The starter. Yeah. Oh, uh, John Lester. Lester. Thank yep. you. Lester. Yeah. Uh, he brought in Lester. And it really didn't work out for him in that game, and he had to change catchers and everything else. So it worked out in the end because they won. So I thought it was a, a very curious decision then. And you know, sometimes you're just, you're even when you make a bad decision, good things can happen, and that's baseball. 
And when you make good decisions, sometimes bad things happen. And that's baseball because you make the right, you make the right move. And, uh, you know, a player hangs a curveball or, you know, doesn't locate a fastball and, and the ball goes out of the ballpark. I mean, that's, that's part of the game. You got to accept that as a, uh, player and even as a fan a little harder on a fan in a sense because they yeah. always remember it but you know the reality is uh in a game is played by humans and humans are not always going to be perfect the- and that is just the way it goes and but I, i'll be honest i've enjoyed this world series I and have to, yeah. i don't really care who wins i never uh see either way uh i Obviously, the Dodgers had the best record all season long. They've had the, probably the most interesting storyline. And then you look at the Astros, uh, who were falling apart uh, late, you know, kind of getting burned out. And then yep. they they put all their chips on the table and brought Verlander in, and that re-energized them yep. and gave them the opportunity and hope uh, that they needed. And he became the pitcher who was 10 years ago. And you can see the difference in that team once Verlander landed in Houston. And and that's a, that's a, one of the reasons why they're in the World Series today and yep. and playing Game Seven. So it'll be interesting. I thought he pitched a good game last night. He pitched really well. Ball, late, yeah. It just ball bounced the wrong way a few times for them. Uh, you know, they had the lead, and then uh, L.A. was able to come back and uh, and take advantage of it. And, but I, I mean, I don't fault that game. It's just one of those things. That's baseball. Yeah, he you know, that's a really that's good how game. baseball games are played. Yeah. yeah. And that's just the way well-played and well-pitched baseball game on both sides. Exactly. And that's, and it happens. You just got to accept it and move on. We'll see what happens the rest of tonight. But uh, yeah, I just wanted to mention that really quickly. Three nothing Astros right now. The Dodgers stranded the bases loaded in the first. So it's a big opportunity. Yeah. yeah. But we've seen crazy comebacks in this series, in this postseason. Uh, We were, on the right end of one big crazy comeback in the postseason this year, long ago, um, and we were last year. Five nothing now. Five. Wow. George Springer just hit a two, two ding, two run dinger. So and Houston's remember, on fire right now. Remember his zero for four strikeout game in game one, and they were like, "Oh, what's wrong with Springer?" And here he goes. Here he goes. Yeah. I, you know, uh, as an Indians fan, uh, we played both teams this year. Now, we saw the Astros six times compared to the Dodgers three. Uh, you know, the pieces are a little different. Uh, Gonzalez isn't playing for the Dodgers. To me, as a fan, I thought the Astros lineup was a little more intimidating. Uh, they were just so relentless. Um, and we're seeing it right now with Springer and Correa and Altuve. And, I mean, if you want to talk about the youth in the game of baseball right now, remember it was Mike Trout and Bryce Harper and and Chris Bryant throw the next greatest things. But now yes. I I mean you gotta really look at the last two World Series and the last two postings have brought out Francisco Lindor star and Jose Altuve star. And just the love and the passion uh, they have for the game of baseball and their teammates is really fun to watch. Um Altuve reminds me a lot of Lindor. You know, I don't wanna yeah, you can't forget about Chris Bryant and what he no, brings to the table. I no, just, you know, we're no, his out. no, you are seeing new stars in baseball. Yep. There's no question. Every four to five years, you see uh, new stars emerge, and as the uh, as they progress, and and the game has changed so much, it's become so specialized uh, that you know the strikeouts are high and home runs are high, mm-hmm. and it's just the way the game has changed in the last few years. And analytics has played a big part of that, where you know a player can strike out and not have it be a a thing that people talk about anymore. You can mm-hmm. strike out a hundred times. It's not a, it's not a taboo thing that was done years ago. And even if you bat two twenty five, and, but if you hit 35 home runs, you're looked at as a guy who, you know, for a team. So the game has changed quite a bit and it's going through a cycle and we'll see exactly where it ends up. It always does seem to have highs and lows. Uh, a few years ago, we couldn't hit home runs. This year, the home runs, you know, came in bunches across the league. So, I'm not, I'm not too concerned. I mean, overall, I think it was, it's been a, a really entertaining World Series, and it looks like the Astros have a inside track of uh, taking home their very first uh, World Series. Yep. And uh, you know, another streak comes to an end. Yep. Fifty-one years for them. Yeah. So hopefully, uh, next year, I uh, come. 
Yeah, I know. We... Converse, uh, you know. Anyways, anyway, <laughs> my mom told me tonight, don't get too fired up. Now, she does not have a scouting report on Wake Forest. She has oh. an injury report for you on Notre Dame and how worried she is sick about the injuries Notre Dame has. Now, every team's banged up. and But I told her that Tim wanted a Wake Forest scouting report. And she told me yesterday that Wake Forest is going to throw the ball around a lot. And if Notre Dame doesn't come out fired up and emotional um, and thinking about the numbers of ranking too much, it won't matter because they'll be playing in a meaningless bowl game. She's nervous already, Tim. She's pacing around this house. I mean, she is pacing. <laughs> and I, and well, I'm the one trying to talk her off the land. Good for her, though. But she, you know what, though? It's been a while. For uh, and I won't say it's been a while, but if you think about it, in college football, five years is a long time. It is. And at Notre Dame, especially five years without winning. Now you were in the playoff on a couple years ago, but you choked. Um, but you're relevant again, and you're finally you're finally the talk of the country again, and you rightfully so have big wins. So it's it's a fun time to be an Irish fan. It's a fun time in South Bend. I'm excited to get back out there for the Navy game. Uh, that's always a special game to go to. Um, but first things first is Wake Forest, and hopefully we can uh, keep 33 trucking all the way through to Miami and uh, be 8-1 and one going down to the lavish new renovated stadium down there and uh, beat the convicts. Miami. I mean, Miami. Did hey, I say convicts? Yeah, you know what? It's it's good to see that that game coming back, it and is, we'll see exactly how, that. Uh, how it lays out. And it'll be it's going to be an important game. It's, it's like it be should be game for the ACC, like and be. yeah, and it's and it's exciting. It brings yep. back old memories as a yes, as a does. college football fan. So yeah, it's going to be a huge game. There's no doubt about it. Uh, by the way, another uh, little baseball note: George Springer becomes the first player to homer in four straight games in one World Series. Very control five nothing, and uh, we'll we'll see uh, actually how it all turns out. But if you want to watch the 1988 game, Tim, I have it on DVD right here. 1988, <laughs> Notre Dame beat Miami 31 to 30. Yes. right here. Yes. I have it right here on DVD. Um, when we upset number one Miami, so I might be watching that next week. There you go. A little look of the Irish. Keep it going. Uh, Bring it, the luck of the Irish. So, and a fun fact, Notre Dame, the last time they, I, I don't know what the fun fact is. I'm excited for Wake Forest. Um, it's going to be a great test. And uh, just keep 33 trucking all the way to New York City for the Heisman. And where's the championship game at this year, Atlanta? Is it, it Atlanta? Be, I really don't know. I don't honest, know either. I don't think that far ahead. <laughs> I don't either. I, I mean, I really uh, don't. It may. I am not. I honestly so not, it's I don't know. S, it's probably an SEC country somewhere. So let's keep 33 chucking all the way through. And uh, hey, let's go from unranked to number one in, you know, a long time. Hey, anything is possible. That's for sure. Hey, look at this. Um, talking about the the college football rankings, uh, Georgia got the number one seed. Uh, right now, our number one ranking, let me rephrase that, and then uh, Alabama, number two. And it doesn't really matter from that point on, to be quite honest with you. I've said this before. The rankings right now are done for publicity only in anything until the end, as we've all found out each and every year. Yep. Uh, when Ohio State got in at the last moment in the, uh, the yeah. first college football playoff, and then last year when Ohio State jumped Penn State, and got into the playoffs while Penn State went to the Fed. As a, and, you know, these are the things that happen in, in, in these type of scenarios. Uh, group think is not always the best solution to uh, rankings. I've always said that. And then you have people involved who absolutely, without question, has no business being on any type of panel. Uh, just because they're a celebrity or a politician don't mean they know anything about football. And it drives me nuts uh, when on committees because of their namesake. And they just, they don't belong on there. It's not, you know, that'd be, you know, it just makes no sense. And 
you know, these calls, like I said, Georgia's ranked number one. That's basically, in my opinion, to promote the SEC's uh, possible yep. uh, championship game because I don't believe Alabama plays uh, Georgia unless they meet in the uh, championship yep. game. So, obviously, in my opinion, that's what they're hoping for. They're both 8-0. and uh, They did have the big win against uh, Notre Dame to open the season, the one-point win. They've been able to run it ever since. So how about that possibility? I mean, we've talked about uh, with, um, with Matt last week about Notre Dame and Ohio State possibly in a first-round matchup. But how about this? How, how let's, let's have more fun. How about a possibility of a Georgia-Notre Dame rematch in a, in a bowl game? I threw this out to my cousin yesterday. What if the first-round matchup right now, it's – Notre Dame would play Alabama in the Sugar Bowl in Louisiana. You get, yep. I don't want, I don't believe in revenge, but you get some vindication for 2012's humiliation, and we became the laughing stock again. And then you go play Georgia, and you get revenge on that. It would be sweet. But you know what? I just texted my cousin this a little bit ago. I mean, literally less than two minutes ago, I said. And now you're getting me focused on the big picture. And I said, how great is it this year that everyone's mindset, the coaches, the players, the fans, you know, in 2012, we were all focused on, wow, we're back. And, and they're in relevant again. And we're winning. And we're number – and let's be number one. But now it's not, well, we're number three and, wow, we want to be number one. But it's let's dominate each opponent each week. It's let's focus on Wake Forest. Once Wake Forest is over, let's celebrate that win. Hopefully it's a win. And let's focus on Miami. It's now a week-to-week thing. Um, I'm I'm enjoying the moment because, as I tell my friends, it Notre Dame, it's every couple years you're going to be in the playoff line. You can't expect to be there every single year. Um, so let's enjoy the hell out of this. Um, let's beat the crap out of Wake Forest. Let's keep on trucking uh, to eight and one, and let's go play Miami next week. Um, no, but it's fun. It's a fun time uh, to be a Notre Dame fan. Uh, you're finally getting respect from the national media. Um, but there's a so, lot of things. Yes or no, would you be excited about a rematch with Georgia in the, uh, in the playoff game? Well, I'm going to give you the answer all my friends hate. It would be an honor to be one of the four teams in the college football playoff and whoever we play will be a great matchup and a great challenge for us. If in other words, you play as long as you're there. Exactly. Now are there now? I mean, if you're giving me a choice, I'd rather play Georgia, Alabama. I'd rather play Georgia because I don't No, no, no I'm just talking I, about yeah, see, talking pure it would be, factor because yeah, you know, yes, Georgia was able yes, to come in yes, and get the win. Because I felt we gave that game away. I felt we gave that game away on a silver platter to Georgia a late breakdown uh, defensively in the secondary. Um, the offense sputtered with the ball and a nine-point lead. And back then, early in the season, we were getting field goals instead of touchdowns. And now we're converting touchdowns instead of field goals. So, yes, I would welcome the opportunity to play Georgia again. Now, granted, I just looked it up. The title game is in Atlanta. So, like in All South right. Bend, you're going to have – ready, Buckeye Nation. Atlanta's the invasion. <laughs> hey, it's going to be a fun month. I mean – It is going to be. I college – November football is really November, fun. November I mean, it's awesome. Is, November is football month. Uh, August gets it kicked off. September gets you rolling. October makes you think you have a chance. And November is when championships are won. And November is when championship teams are born. And that is exactly the truth. It always has been the truth. Uh, Jim Trestles always says uh, winning in November, you want to see a championship team, you have to win in November. Yep. And that's it's, it's 100% accurate because uh, the games will matter will be played in December games uh, for the conferences. And then obviously the bowl games won't be played till New Championships are born in November and how you play. Notre Dame has their games in front of them. Ohio State has theirs. And Georgia and uh, Alabama, all of them have their games, you know, to uh, 
we'll see exactly how how this all shakes down here in the next uh, next few weeks. Yeah, now, it's gonna be a lot of fun. Now let's get to the depressing part of the NFL. <laughs> you had to bring this up. Uh, let's put it this way. No matter how bad your team, the Broncos have. Uh, we competed against Kansas City. All right. <laughs> no matter how the Browns find a way to upstage oh everybody. I mean, how how in the world? <laughs> let me let me put it this way. Let me let me let me do this first. Obviously, everyone knows about the AJ McCarron debacle trade botch, and how that got debacle and and, and how it got screwed up. From everything I've learned in the last 24 hours or less than that since that been announced and how was, and I, I don't understand how, uh, all I could think it was self-sabotage because of the internal conflict within the Browns. They've made trades before. They know how yep. to do it. They know how to contact the NFL properly. They did it last year with Jamie Collins. That's my point. I'm sure they've, they've done it in the past and they've done it on, They've done it during drafts, so they know how to pro- to to do it properly. So, are you saying that the Browns front office knows Hugh Jackson is not going to be back next year, and Hugh wanted McCarron? No, I don't even think it goes that far. As much as I think the conflict is, and here's the thing: this is what one of the things that really have hurt the Browns the last two years under this new administration. Draft picks. Now, what Why they do? Our quality. Well, uh, and again, I'm not saying it's correct. I'm saying this is what has happened. They value draft picks. For them to trade draft picks is asking a lot, and they just didn't want to do it. Now, they may have made offers in the past for players, and it fell through. I think there's no question in my mind that Hugh Jackson wanted AJ McCarron because he knows the system, mm-hmm. and he would fit right in, and he would be able to give them a higher quality quarterback. And again, this is what I was talking about all season long. You needed to bring a person in who has played in the NFL. I don't care if it's two or three games. I don't care Rock if he's been in the NFL. But he's been in the NFL for four years. A.J. McCarron's been around. He's played in in Hughes' system in the past, and, and they continue to run a variation of that in Cincinnati. So, I mean, he would make total sense. He started a playoff to, game. Yeah, he, he started the last three games of the season and, and yeah. played a playoff game. And there's no question. You know, he helped lead the, the he Bengals that year. He almost knocked us out of the playoffs. He almost beat us in Denver to knock us out of the playoffs yeah. a couple years okay. ago. Okay, that's, that's fine and dandy what happened in the past. I don't care no more. <laughs> but <laughs> but here's, here's, here's what I'm talking about is, you know, obviously what, everything I've read is the Browns sent the paperwork to the to Cincinnati and Cincinnati didn't re- – here's, here's, the, here's the timeline from what I understand is the – at between 3.30 and 10 to 4 – the the compensation for the for the trade was finally finalized between the the Cleveland Browns and the Cincinnati Bengals that the Browns were going to give up a second and third round pick for AJ McCarron. The Browns then decided to do all the paperwork and send it to Cincinnati and then believe Cincinnati would forward it then to the NFL. Obviously that's not what happened. And now what I've read and what I, my understanding is the email got to Cincinnati at 3.54, so about six minutes before the deadline. and But the person who sent the email was the assistant to Sashi Brown, not Sashi Brown's account. So it went unnoticed. They didn't check their emails. They didn't think about it. They just went in and contacted the NFL on their own, on their behalf, thinking the Browns were doing the exact same thing. Later today, and it was time-stamped at 3.54, coming from... Sashi Brown's assistant, which absolutely makes no sense why the Browns would do that other than they have confirmation. And then you send that confirmation to the NFL. So been a little strife between the two teams. I think obviously anything, uh, I think it proves my point all season long. They've botched this quarterback situation completely. Uh, you needed a veteran quarterback in here. They tried to make a move late after uh, uh, Jimmy Garofalo went to uh uh, San Francisco, and it is what it is. So uh, the Browns will continue the season with the winless quarterbacks. Not one of them's ever won in the NFL, so it's going to be a difficult scenario. Again, um, there's not many veterans out there. I mean, you can bring back RG three. I don't think that's really an answer. 
And uh, the, the only other person available as a free agent is Kaepernick. And I, I mean, we know it. that that's not going to happen because that's mm-hmm. how the NFL has worked this yep. season. Uh, you know, the Browns are in deep trouble. They, they have their problems. And quite honest with you, if they blow up the front office and get rid of Sashi Brown and his gang, president and GM, and, you know, they're going to want to hire their own coach. Yep. So you're starting, but again, over 16 or one in 15, does it really matter if you're starting over again? I hate saying, I hate, I don't want them to start over again, but if you're not seeing rule improvement, it doesn't really matter. It's, I've come to the conclusion. It doesn't matter if they do, if they do blow it up again, because really if they quote unquote, blow it up again, what are they, what are they starting from? They're not like the team they blew up after they won seven games, you know, in 2014. You know, this is a team that they've blown up that won one game in the last 27 games. So it is what it is. But the Browns continue to find ways to screw it up, and they did. And uh, there's a reason why they're the laughing stock of the NFL is to be. And it's an unfortunate scenario because uh, the city of Cleveland, the fans of the, the Browns. They deserve a lot better than this. Yeah, garbage. no one deserves it. Just remind no, this me. Is- this is as bad, if not worse, than what Detroit went through when Matt Millen was the. Uh, I agree with that. GM, there. it might be, and, and they absolutely, yeah, it might they, be they worse. absolutely fell apart then. And yep. this is absolutely worse than that, and that's tough to do because they went zero and sixteen. They were terrible too. They lost every game one year there too, so it tells you how bad it can be. Uh, as for your Brock, Brock Osweiler looks like he might get the start this week. Yeah, he will get started. Uh, Vance Joseph did confirm today to the team. Uh, that he will finally start after his past two ludicrous, insane press conference remarks that Trevor's our guy. He's shown enough on film when he hasn't. Um, I think the – and let me say this. I was a Trevor Simeon fan, um, and I'm not putting this all on Simeon. He has looked terrible. But the offensive line is a dumpster fire. It's not good again. John always swung and missed on that again. He has no confidence. Um, Emmanuel Sanders is down. You're limited at the wide receiver position outside of Thomas and Sanders. Uh, They, for whatever reason, don't make C.J. Anderson a a 30-carry-a-game guy when that's what he should be. Um, There's no routine and rhythm, um, and it's time for a change because you're wasting not great defensive performances, not good defensive performances, but – I mean, you're wasting good defensive performances that are giving you a chance to win football games. Now, is the Brock Osweiler experiment going to last all season long? I hope not. I hope come the second week of November that Paxton Lynch is healthy and they let him go. I mean, if we lose out or win a couple games, I'd rather do with Paxton Lynch your first-round draft pick than Brock Osweiler, who may or may not be on the roster next year. they, but the first and fourth things most, they have got to get consistency and rhythm. Uh, against Kansas City, they ran for a buck sixty, so they ran for almost two hundred yards at Arrowhead on a good defense. Um, but when you have five turnovers, that's going to lose you a lot of games. Um, and when you get down the red zone and you're kicking twenty-nine yard field goals instead of touchdowns, you know you're going to lose to anybody. Um, so this year is. This is the first week in 80 straight weeks that Denver's below 500. So as much as you want to complain, as much as it pains me to really know we don't have a chance to win each week, um, you got to, it's time like this, you sit back and look at the big picture and be like, we've been really fortunate. I mean, to go 80 straight weeks in the NFL without a great offensive line, without a great starting quarterback, we went through Kyle and Tim Tebow and Peyton Manning, Brock Osborne, and Trevor Simeon. You know, to go 80 straight weeks without a losing record, uh, that's pretty impressive. Um, it is. And, and, and uh, let me say this. And uh, we won the Super Bowl a couple I mean, years ago. So that what, how important. You can see how – look, just to make a point of what you're saying and to make a point about the NFL in general is win with those other quarterbacks, but you yep. see the different drop-off since yep. you lost Peyton Manning. Even Peyton Manning at the end of his career was a thousand times better than what you have right now. And maybe he was a game manager his last season, you know, and he still won you a Super Bowl. 
And yes, he yeah, was he not as healthy as he could have been. And you've seen him when he was throwing, you know, 45 to 50 touchdowns a year for Denver. So my point is, it just shows you the importance of the quarterback position. If you don't find your quarterback, your team flounders. I yep. don't care who you are. Exactly Obviously, right. Trevor Simeon was was someone who was supposed to gap performer. And, you know, Lynch is the guy that they're going to look for. Yeah, and and you are correct. Lynch has to play this year. Yes, he does. They have to find out what they have in him. And they I don't must wanna... make it by, by, you know, season on passing Lynch. Is he going to be our starter next yep. year? Or do we have to invest into another quarterback? And that's just like the Cleveland Browns. As much as it pains me to say, with all the moves that they, they, they talked about this week, it tells you that the confidence level in Kaiser is very low going mm-hmm. forward. Kaiser cannot become a quality NFL quarterback in the future. What it tells me is everything I've said from the very beginning is you can't play a rookie on a bad team and expect good results. And he has not played that many games at the collegiate level. Uh, and a, a rookie who has won the game, won the starting role by default because there was nobody else to start. Yeah. And that's where the Cleveland Browns is. Cleveland Browns have played three quarterbacks this year, and not one of the quarterbacks that gets, was starting in front of them was because someone got hurt because simply of performance. So that tells you everything you need to know about the Cleveland Browns this year and, and decision-making. And I've talked about this before. You're not going to win in the NFL unless you have experience at that, right. at that position somewhere along the line. And the Cleveland Browns have three quarterbacks that have yet to win in the NFL. And, yep. you know, all of them have made starts. Uh, you know, Hogan has made one last year and one this year. You know, obviously Kessler made six, seven starts last season. And you look what Kaiser has started this season. So, I mean, none of them game in the NFL. It's going to be difficult to win a game in the NFL. If they do win it, it's, it's going to come because another team lost it. Not that the Browns yep. won the game, meaning uh, uh, punt return, uh, special team returns, stuff like that, uh, defensive touchdowns, setting up easy scores, and getting up big and hanging on to a lead is probably how the Browns would win a ball game in the future if they do. I'm not sure uh, under the circumstances that they're in, and it's going to be difficult because they just don't have the talent in the right spots. I think long-term, this team can grow. To have a five-year plan in a league that doesn't have five-year plans no more, and I think yep. that's where the Browns are at. And they, you know, you look at what they've done. They've passed on young quarterbacks the last two, and those two quarterbacks are succeeding in the NFL, while the ones that you have chosen have not. And that has has a lot to say about where you stand and what you're trying to do here in the NFL. And you know, you look at as much as it pains me to say to look at the New York Jets. Look, I don't think the Jets are a great team. But I think one of the reasons they're winning is because they have a quarterback who has played in the NFL, who has won in the NFL, who can manage it. Look, he's going to make his mistakes and throw interceptions, and he's going to cost you a few games because that's what McCown does. Mm-hmm. He'll manage the game and get you victories where you don't have it or give you opportunities to win ball games where you normally don't have it. So, And, and that's, that's where the difference is. I think if McCown was still in Cleveland, the Browns probably have won one or two games already this year simply because he's experienced enough to avoid some of the turnovers that happen and make sure you got points when you had opportunities. Even if it was uh, the dreaded three points, it, it is what it is. And, you know, I know the Browns talked about, oh, maybe we've changed kickers. It doesn't matter. Nope. Kickers not going to win or lose you a game when you're a bad team. It's it's scoring touchdowns is going to matter. And, yep. and you know, that's what Turnovers it comes down to. They didn't, lose, they didn't lose last week in London because of the kicker. They lost because they couldn't move the ball. Yep. Perform in the second half. They couldn't move the ball effectively in the second half to score points. Competitive football for about a half against most teams. Uh, but they're not going to play four quarters. And if they do win a game, it's because the other team has given them the opportunity to win that game because of turnovers and mistakes. And uh, maybe a few big bounce. Uh, side of the ball, you know, when they have it, but I just don't. I it's like winning the lottery, it's just not, it doesn't happen every day. When someone's gonna win, it just doesn't happen every day. Even if you play the number, you're not gonna yep. win it every day, you know, it's just the way it works. Uh, 
that's exactly where where the Browns are at. And you know, the the comical mistakes they made just this week is just it's 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 disturbing as a fan. And you know, I said it before, I'll say it again. I said it last week, I'll say it again. What I said last week about Jimmy Haslin, this is Jimmy Haslin's mess. Yep. And Jimmy Haslin has to take responsibility for this team. What happened at uh, with that trade with Cincinnati, these are the people he hired to run his organization. Mm-hmm. He may have not made the phone call, or he may not have been the guy who sent the email, but he is the man who put these people in that responsibility. So he has to take responsibility for how his organization is run mm-hmm. and what they have what they have failed to do. Uh, and he has to look at himself and accept the fa- failures that he has put this this organization through. Because in the end, it all comes down to the ownership. What the owner does and what the owner says is what, what every team in the NFL has to deal with. Not one player is drafted. One, one player is signed as a free agent without the owner's blessing. Sign the, the, uh, the contract. They're the one that has to pay that individual. I don't care if he's a scout. I don't care if he's the last player on the team or if he's the star quarterback. He has to make that decision. And it's not just the Jimmy Hassan for the Cleveland Browns. It's any owner in the NFL. They have that final decision. That's just like what happened in, ba- in Baltimore this year when Hallbrook tried to bring in Kaepernick, had him sign, and said, look, we, we may not even keep you through the preseason, but we'll give you an opportunity to get some reps and, and to make this team. And the owner, it's the owner's decision. Every player has to pass the owner's veto. Every GM, every every coach does. And we've seen Hassam go through the, the GMs and the coaches. I mean, you started with Joe Banner. You had Ray Farmer. You know, and now you have Sashi Brown going on here. Sooner or later, you have to bring in a pro's pro to do the job. And I'm not sure he's capable of uh, making that decision because so far as an owner – He's just made one bad decision and keep making it worse and worse. So, again, what happened this week to the Browns, in my opinion, because yep. of the way the organizations run. I completely agree. It's uh, just another debacle in the, uh, the Cleveland Browns. It's just another saga that makes the Browns just who they are, the worst-run franchise in all sports right now. Um, and it seems that each week you find a new thing to say, well, there go the Browns again if it's on the field or off the field. Now, good news, Browns fans. Josh Gordon was reinstated today. He yes, will he be the savior. You know what? He was reinstated he today. Hurt. And I'm still wait a minute. You know, I, I'm not I have not heard what the Browns decision will be. Uh if I mean, they're gonna keep him or release him. Sure, they talked about they were gonna release him no matter what. Now that you're 0 and 8 and you need talent on your team, my understanding. Here, Anthony, is that he needed to be active in 10 games this year to qualify as a free agent next year. So him now only being available for eight games the rest of the year, he believed that he will not be only a restricted free agent. So the Browns will actually have control over him for another year if they choose to not release him right now. So talent-wise, he can help a team. Uh, is he going to make a difference in this team winning or losing? Probably not. Uh, I don't think he can actually come in and make a big difference right now. However, on a talent level, there's no question he has talent. The question is, can he stay stay uh, straight and narrow and on the path to becoming a productive NFL player and a productive member of society? And so far, the answer to that is, is no. And uh, we'll wait and see what the answer is uh, in the next week or two. But them releasing him simply because I believe uh, they've invested into him, in a sense, had him on the roster or had him part of the organization for the last uh, four years. They're going to continue to ride that that the wave and see what happens. Because uh, I honestly believe right now they look at the scenario and say we need every talented player we can get. So we'll wait and see how that works out. And, and uh, you know, it's a big decision for the Cleveland Browns organization. I think it happened uh, during released. Uh, because you're 0-8 and you need every help you can get, I have a feeling that he will uh, don again that number 12 for the Cleveland Browns. I think I think so, too. I, they just – they need a lot more help than we have time for. I mean, they, oh, no. they need help from top, bottom, 
person now. I it's a huge mess. Jimmy um, Jimmy D Haslam. It begins there and ends there, and it will always be on their their watch and their decision making. And right now, it has been not good. And uh, the organization in the city of Cleveland and have suffered because of it. And it really that's where I don't care who you blame. You can talk about Sashi Brown or or Petesta and uh, the whole brain trust of the Cleveland Browns. Bottom line, it comes down to the ownership. For this, they're the ones who who hired the people they've hired, uh, from the coaching staff, office to the, the, the scouts and everything else. So it comes down to one person in, or one family, and that's uh, Dee and Jimmy Haslam. They have to make good, better decisions than they have had uh, since they've owned this team. Every decision they've made has made this team worse over the last five years. So it yep. is what it is. And to blame anybody but Jimmy Haslam, to my, it's just scapegoating. It's not looking at the core of the problem. And it starts there. I'm not saying they can't turn it around. Anybody can make, make better decisions. Uh, we'll see if they do. You know, a saying I've heard uh, mentioned, uh, Jim Trotter. I don't know if you ever yep. read his mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, he has uh, been credited with saying, uh, majoring in the minor, and that's the Cleveland Browns. They major in the minor. They were more excited about bringing new uniforms and new colors yep. and all that versus uh, bringing in quality players and coaching staff and, stat- and scouting reports and doing things uh, the best way. So, you know, as long as you have your priorities mixed up in the NFL, you're going to lose, and that's just the way the Browns are right now, and it's, it's frustrating, and, and we'll go on from there, but you know what, Anthony? It's getting late. We yep. got a uh, well on Friday. That's the most yes, important thing do. on Z104 and oldiesz104.com. You want to check that out. Uh, game time is 7 p.m. for pregame and 7:30 for the kickoff. Matt Amsh and myself will bring you the game along with Anthony Kepley helping us out with stats and information throughout the ball game. As we will be in Poland for Mooney and Poland. I can't wait. Division third, it's going to be a humdinger of a game. It's going to be uh, uh, everything you want in high school football. It's going to be everything I I excite. I'm so excited. I can't I can't explain my excitement beyond that. It's just it, it's this is what we we really truly uh, it's November champions are born in November, and I can't wait to find another champion here here in uh, Northeast Ohio, and especially in Mahoney Valley. Yeah, it's going to be a great game. Um, like we said, we think we had the best game of the uh, local teams. Um, Mooney's rolling right now, uh, defensively and offensively, with big wins over uh, Division One schools of late. Um, and Poland is trying to pick themselves off the mat a little bit after a pretty bad shutout loss to Canfield. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see the uh, uh, contrast and styles. Like I said, Poland wants to spread you out and throw the ball a little more. Mooney wants to beat you in a phone booth and physically dominate your front with the run game. So it'll be whose style can win out, and that's what makes November football so great. You get a contrast of styles each week, it seems like. Um, and it's two of the better programs near the past decade. Uh, so we're looking forward to it. All right, let's do this, Anthony. I don't know what your schedule is for the weekend, uh, but let's try to get together either Saturday or Sunday night. Uh, we'll recap the the high school football and all the action from collegians in, in the NFL. And of course there are Mooney polling game. And just to remind everybody that the high school football scoreboard show will continue this week. We'll have highlights from the Mooney polling game and uh, we'll have scores from around the state as we'll cover all 28 regions and what's going on in region one as high school football kicks off its playoffs. It's going to be a great night here in Northeast Ohio and across the state. And the Buckeye State's going to celebrate with some high school football all on one day. So uh, get to the one game that you can and, and enjoy it. So yeah, it's anything, a, uh, it'll be a great weekend for football, uh, high school and college, the NFL. Well, you know. <laughs> hey, real quickly, that. if you uh, download this through Apple Podcasts, please give us a five-star rating. And give us one or two reviews. The sentence review uh, it helps us uh, move up in the rankings and for more of the fine 
does the better ratings we get and the higher uh, we can move up in the rankings it would be greatly appreciated as we grow this uh, podcast each and every week and i want to thank anthony and canfield uh for his time tonight and i am tim here in foreman wishing all our local schools the best we'll talk to you again this weekend here on radio mvb.com 